Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters podcast. This is episode 46. You've got Chris and Brian. Uh, this time around, we're going to talk about shooting pistols at night in a snowstorm. Yeah. Um, guys, this past uh, week, we had an opportunity to get out in inclement weather and train. Um, you know, I know guys who say things like, if it ain't raining, you ain't training kind of mentality. Well, if it's um, not snowing sideways, you're definitely not training. Bingo. Bingo. Um, we, uh, we had a really good time, got to go out in, in some pretty cold weather. Um, I, I want to say temperatures were probably 20-ish, 23, yeah. some, somewhere around there. Um, significant wind chill, wind blowing sideways, and snowing really flipping hard. Um, legitimate driving or flight visibility was probably less than a quarter mile. Um, it, it, got, and shorter than that at times. I mean, it was really almost whiteout conditions at a few different points. Yeah, we got probably two inches over the course of an hour. Yeah. So it's coming down pretty good. Um, so, you know, it's always, you know, you want to get out and train in those adverse conditions, see what your fingers do when they're cold, see how you handle the gun um, with gloves on. Um, you know, and there's a certain reality check, too. If you show up to the range uh, in that kind of weather, wearing what you'd be walking around on the street, um, you're, you're probably not going to get through two hours. Uh, one of our cohorts in crime was up there with us and was legitimately just wearing jeans, um, I think a long john top, a hoodie, and a shell, um, and, and got cold, but, but, but gutted through it and was legitimately walking around as he'd be walking around on the street. Um, I am not so tough. Um, I had on a pair of Audi Gear soft shell pants and with suspenders and, and a, a nice wool commando style sweater and a shell jacket. Um, but you know, part of that training aspect is if you can get out in that weather in the, in the way you walk around the street normally, that's a great training opportunity. Um, if you can get out in some analog that's close that will protect you from the elements so you can maybe be a little more focused and maybe do a little better training is probably a good thing too, one way or the other. Um, so, yeah, uh, on, on that note, a lot of it, especially with the, on the pistol side of things is being able to replicate carrying the gun where you normally would. Yep. Yeah. Have, having normal access to the gun. And I guess that's kind of my point is that, um, you know, I was, I was rocking pants I wouldn't normally wear out in the world, but I was carrying the gun in the same place, same draw stroke, etc. Um, and the top end of what I was wearing was pretty similar to what I would wear if it were that kind of weather. Um, so the draw stroke was very similar, um, but definitely not the same. So, um, you know, ran into some different things, running uh, white lights on guns, running dots on guns and stuff like that. Um, you know, we, we try and do as much low light as we can. We try and do as much inclement stuff as we can. But getting out in the snow was was an interesting conversation, not something you get to do very often. Um, a lot of reflection back off of snow, um, a lot of light reflection back off of snow, a lot of distraction, a lot of movement downrange and stuff like that. Uh, really, really interesting opportunity to see how lights behave. Um, a couple of us had older uh, Surefire X300s that were probably 500-ish lumens, 600-ish yeah. lumens, um, and still worked just fine. Um, you definitely see that blue tonal quality to the light when it's bouncing off the of snow, kind of coming back at you. Um, it's, it's bright. Uh, having said that, I, I think everybody shot on the whole pretty well. Um, you know, with dots on guns, with iron sights on guns, and with lights on guns, we did, you know, we ran some drills moving, we ran some uh, kind of changing gears drills where we were shooting a bigger target and transitioning to a smaller target for more precise shots and vice versa. Um, yeah, and due to the weather, we are shooting steel targets without any new paint on them. Yeah. Uh, up against a snow-covered backdrop. Yeah, which wasn't <clears throat> snow-covered for long because it only takes a miss or two before the dirt gets blown up around yeah. them and all of a sudden you're shooting gray on gray. Um, 
not not that any of us would ever miss. I mean, I think we know that. Yeah, contrast between the target and the background was definitely a challenge. Yeah, there's very little contrast there. Um, Managed to probably get back, you know, 40, 50 yards, and we're able to still, you know, make hits and stuff like that with dot optics um, and and bright white lights on handguns. Uh, Some 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 takeaways. Um, fingers getting cold um, gets makes switchy switchy weird on guns sometimes. Um, reloading guns, uh, light discipline, things of that nature is one of those things that you have to train to. You've got to train to if you are not on the target engaging it, um, and 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 you don't have some reason to keep the light on the threat, or you don't have a readily identified threat. You should probably be turning your light off. Not the easiest thing in the world to do. Um, same with moving around. Yeah, same with moving around. Yeah, should be off. exactly. If you're moving, and, and before you start moving, if, if at all possible, um, so that you're not, you know, keying that direction to the bad guy. Um, but, you know, uh, some, some interesting stuff. Um, the, the lights, reflection in the snow wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. It was distracting. It was, at first, it was like, whoa, that's really interesting. Kind of like driving a car with, you flip your high beams on the first time of the year when it's snowing hard and you're driving along and you decide, oh, I'll smack my high beams on so I can see a little better. And you go, oh, that's worse. Okay, I'll go back to something else. Um, understanding that, you know, definitely one of those things to kind of have in your mind what it looks like before you've done it. It was kind of nice. Yeah, and on that note, the difference between the TIR lens on an X300 Ultra yeah. and a Max Vision lens, like on the handheld tactician from Surefire, yeah. became really apparent. Yeah, um, yes. Being able to you know, run, it was a lot easier to run the TIR uh, X300 Ultra, move it slightly offset of where I needed to be illuminated to find something. Yep. Um, versus having that Max Vision beam, um, there was a lot of just white just reflection and kind of white out yeah back off of that yeah the max vision just it just it, it it just spreads the light everywhere so you're getting reflection from everywhere and that lack of hot spot that lack of push um with the hot spot was i think was real obvious yeah. um, especially if we got back at distance and said hey does this help nope nope that doesn't help turn that back off so um definitely something to you know to be aware of there with your handheld in conjunction with your weapon light if you're running you know an x300 on the gun and like i carry a stiletto um, in my back pocket, um, it, if if the weapon light had gone out, I I surely would have been limited to probably 50 feet, yeah. um, nowhere near 50 yards for certain um, with the stiletto because of that uh, max vision. Sorry, I always get yeah. this confused. So. Uh, one thing to point out, I think everybody that was shooting did have x or Ultras, so we don't really have any comparison with the Streamlight TLR1HL. Um, but the Streamlight TLR1HL has more of that max vision style beam and where it puts the light out everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and it's a very blue light, Yeah. Uh, which would, again, cause some significant um, reflection issues with, you know, heavy snow. Yep, even more so than the than the Surefire stuff. So um, additionally, a couple of us were running optics, uh, running specifically RMR06s, uh, Trijicon RMO6 Type 2s. Um, I, I gotta I gotta throw out there again that the the RMR06 Type 2 is just an awesome little device. Um, its ability to keep up with changing light conditions electronically, the RMR06 adjusts to ambient light if it's set in that setting. Um, that's how I run it. Um, I don't I don't manually adjust it very often, if ever. Um, so I started off on manual and was running it no problem. Um, it, it is, it's awesome that that little light or that little optic actually adjusts to the flash from the gunshot. Um, it doesn't bloom necessarily, but it definitely gets brighter. 
um, and you can see it um, with the snow having light reflect back off the snow meant there was more visual there's more light in your immediate area and it adjusted to that very very well but still wasn't enough that it bloomed itself to the extent you couldn't see the target or included a target or anything like that um, I did find one minor shortcoming in the RMR um, it does have a slightly bluish tint and when we got back 50 60 yards um, not having a, light on, a lot of light on the target at that distance because of the pistol lights and shooting through snow. And then additionally, um, the, the lack of contrast on the target versus the background at that point because I was in the end of the night. Um, notice that the, the blue tint, I, I, could, I could just kind of maybe make out the outline of the plate at 50, 60 yards. But as soon as I got the optic up on it, um, the combination of looking through glass and having a little bit of tint on that glass made it just not quite comfortable it's like you kind of lost it at that distance in those conditions it was a little bit harder to see if that makes any sense because this is a non-magnified piece of glass so yeah yeah and we're, we're talking about the seeing the plate uh, we're talking about seeing a roughly c-zone size uh, piece of steel yeah i noticed the same kind of issues at about 20 to 25 yards okay on an eight inch circle yeah that we were shooting at yeah uh, where I could see the post going up to the target, but then finding the definition of the target was definitely a challenge. Yeah, and that's where I the optic. Yeah, I lost it on that six or eight inch round plate um, <clears throat> on the twelve by eighteen silhouette. No problem seeing it at all because it was still had some white on it. Um, but yeah, so you know, and, and again, when we're talking about shortcomings, we're talking about also falling probably significantly outside the common usage envelope for that combination uh, four inch handgun um in nine millimeter you know with a pistol light on it shooting at 50 yards in a snowstorm um a, a reasonable and prudent person um would probably want to get out of dodge uh, and just leave instead of do something like that all right so you know like i said we're a little bit outside the operational envelope of that combination of tools um, and having said that we're still able to successfully make hits at those distances um, maybe a little bit was using the force but in general good equipment doing good stuff in really bad conditions so um, you know. Actually, once we got back to about 50 yards, having a partner or teammate that was able to yep. light things up yep. and create some shadow and some contrast from the side made it a lot better to take the shot. For sure. For sure. You weren't having your own light bumping back at you. Um, and that's also a tactic I would say that, you know, if you're, if you're in a, lucky enough to be in a team environment, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know enough about that environment to know how folks working in a team environment train, but if you're running white light in a team environment, having your gun up and being ready to flip the safety off, identify something, flip the safety off and take a shot, um, buddy lighting is, is often extremely advantageous from a shadow and contrast standpoint because of the off angle of the light. Um, I know we have some friends of ours who do um, uh, deer eradication, um, legal deer eradication, um, off-season uh, through damage permits and they use a lot of uh, IR and night vision and and having an offset IR light can make a huge difference in telling whether or not a deer is antlered or not um, and a lot of the time it has to be antlered for them to take it or can't be, can't antlered, be antlered for them to take it and so um, that's a great way to check um, that that off-angle light will give you better reflection better contrast etc so if you're again if you're lucky enough to be in that environment um, you know, if a buddy lights something up, have your gun up and be ready to go um, because you might be the one with the shop. You might be the one with positive ID, even though they're the one with the light and the gun. So be aware of that. Yeah. So. Uh, other thing to talk about is batteries. Uh, if you have a weapon mounted light on your gun and you haven't, can't remember exactly the last time you changed your batteries, um, you need to change them right now because there's a decent chance they'll be dead. Yeah, their uh, batteries are cheap. 
Um, I don't think we have. We have one guy whose batteries were questionable. Mine were um, questionable. I just checked the, them before everybody got there. Okay, cool, cool. And then I know that uh, that Andrew's stuff, I think he was probably right on the edge of needing new batteries as well. Um, I, I was thinking, compared to everyone else's light output at first, that mine were needed replaced, so I replaced them. Um, and it turns out I was running a much older Surefire than I realized. Um, that, that was probably more fell into maybe not quite the Amish tactical light, but definitely Mennonite. Um, and so, you know, it, that's something else too. Uh, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, um, is, is, has more practical aspect to it with some of this stuff than folks realize, uh, going out and buying the newest, brightest light because it's the newest, brightest light. Well, you're just trying to keep up. Well, it, it actually works better. Um, I, I, I have a couple of thousand lumen 300 U-boats, um, and I didn't realize that the one I run on my handgun forever is probably only a five or six hundred lumen and when i switched it out it was uh you know the heavens opened up the light shined down the angels sang it was beautiful i dig it mm. so so we've upgraded now so if anybody wants to buy a greatly discounted five or six hundred lumen beat to snot just kidding uh no i'm not talk to me anyway anything else to add yeah uh, if you haven't played around you know drawing the gun from cold weather clothing and things yes uh, we strongly recommend doing that dry fire at home um, make sure the gun is unloaded keep the the ammo and the mag and everything in the other room uh, put your heavy coat on your gloves all that stuff and figure out how to make everything work um, dry where you can see what you're doing um, because it can be kind of eye-opening yeah. Um, yeah especially be on the the lookout for dingle hoppers and cord locks yep and other things around the hem of your jacket um, those kind of things have a habit of getting into holsters and then subsequently into trigger guards yeah um, with rather disastrous results yeah and additionally going to the lower garments um, snow pants and rain gear are often cut differentially high um, they have a significantly higher rise or a significantly longer crotch in them um, because they're made to run higher on the waist, especially military-style stuff like the Adi Gear Patrol Parkas and a lot of the Arcturus Leaf rain pants and stuff like that are meant to run very high on your waist so that you can put a war belt on underneath or, or lower than the actual top of the pants. Um, I guess that's a comfort or a suspenders thing for military stuff. I, I don't know. Um, but snow from going down your pants. It does, too. and it also, but it keeps, but it also puts your holster in a very, very different place from where you're used to it being. Um, and then another thing I noticed too, um, specifically with suspenders, um, the Adi Gear suspenders have like a Velcro. They loop, go through a loop and Velcro back on themselves. Um, that Velcro is right next to where I'm jamming the gun in the holster. So if that tab would happen to come loose over time, now you've got a three-inch long piece of relatively hardened material. Um, to go into your trigger guard, um, you know, so just, it's those kind of little things. you got to know your gear and know what your risks are so that as you're putting your stuff away, you can tactilely check and make sure everything's where it's supposed to be before you begin to jam the holster in there. Um, there's, there's, no, uh, there's no prize for speed reholstering, especially in gear you don't commonly wear every day. So be aware of that. Yeah. Um, other thing, if you do have an opportunity to safely and legally train, you know, in cold weather outside, um, the best thing for running pistols is one of those hand warmers like you see a football quarterback wear. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cabela's has really nice ones that are made out of Gore Windstopper for like about 40 bucks. Um, put a couple hand warmers in there. Keep your hands in that thing when you're not shooting. Yep. I'm also um, going to throw a knot out. I'm going to I'm going to throw a knot out too. The the Cabela's one. I I don't know this for certain, but being Cabela's is probably made in China. 
um, or Vietnam or someplace like that. I, I don't know that for certain. Um, if you want an American-made analog of the same device, they cost a little more, um, but FHF, um, I think it's Fight Hunt Fish, is a company that's a veteran-owned company out west somewhere. They make uh, the ones that like the Ranger Battalions um, and some of the Go Fast guys use. Um, if you do just chase down FHF or Fight Hunt Fish, um, and they do the hand warmer pockets and the same thing. They're closed cell, um, they're good quality fleece inside, they're closed cell insulating material that doesn't hold water, um, and, and they have the pocket inside to hold the hand warmers if you want an American made version of that. Just you're just pay a little more for it, but the quality is outstanding. Yeah. So, yep. Uh, it works a running hands in a hand warmer type thing like that with either thin gloves or no gloves. Yep. Um, works a lot better than trying to run a pistol with heavy gloves. Um, running rifles with heavy gloves is pretty doable. Um, mm -hmm. Pistols with heavy gloves, really, the things fall apart pretty quickly. Yeah, it's very difficult to do. So, absolutely. And, and the other thing, uh, your gear layering, um, you know, when it gets cold out, sometimes wearing super lightweight, thin gloves, um, and then having a warm pair of mittens that you can flip off quickly and grab the gun and do whatever with. Um, it, it looks, it's funny to watch, um, but it's a very effective way to go about things. So again, as we're talking about this time of year, it's not just about guns, lights, and optics. It's also about what you're wearing on your body. Um, you know, go, go vet your gear. Um, even if it's not shooting the gun, go, go for a hike with your winter gear on, with your gun in your holster and your stuff where you normally carry it. Um, again, especially if you can do so with a long gun without scaring the natives. Yeah. Um, get, get out and vet your stuff. Carry it around. Carrying it around is often a lot harder than shooting it. So... Uh, one more thing on gloves, um, make sure they've got some kind of leather or non-slit palm on them and up through the fingers. Uh, I've seen guys try to run like wool mittens or knitted um, type gloves without any kind of non-slip on the palm and through the, the finger pads and whatnot. Yep. And it, it's rather humorous to watch because they can't hold on to much. Yeah, I mean, I noticed that running longer strings of fire, I have uh, some OR, some Outdoor Research lightweight liner gloves, um, and they were great at first, but then as they got wet from the snow melting on them and stuff like that, you notice I took them off and just went barehanded with the, um, with my tactical hand warmer device that I always want to call something improper. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, you, you get where I'm going. So uh, those lightweight gloves, you know, if you can keep them dry, great, but understand that, you know, if you don't train with them, it does, you're going to have to up your grip game quite a bit to keep up with the gloves. They will yeah. mess you up. And I mean, just something, you know, also to keep in mind, you know, whatever gloves you're wearing when you're not at the range, you know, when it's cold, um, you know, find out what the limitations of those are. Yeah. You know, figure out if you're going to be able to, to run your gun um, with them or not um, before you need to on the street. Yeah. If you've got some kind of dress glove that you wear over the winter, you know, with nice clothing, um, buy two pairs. Buy a second pair, take them to the range and beat them up, see how they hold up, see how they work with the gun. And th that way you'll know. So, yeah. Yeah. That's all I have. Cool. Uh, thanks for joining. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we are at Cap City Outfitters. Uh, visit, us on, visit us on the web at CapCityOutfitters.com. And come see us. We're in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. Uh, we'll see you soon. Get out there and train.